Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Ready to roll there, Gordon? I am ready. Let's do it. Uh, DJ and PK talked a little Utah football recruiting uh, this morning. Let's check in with them. Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, talking about the uh, deficit. And after a year of uh, sort of kind of a little bit of football, good news is they played some games. Bad news is they didn't play the full schedule and they didn't have fans and luxury suites and concessions and parking and all that stuff. But what once was projected as a 50 or $60 million deficit is now going to be a $35 million deficit. And he says there's a couple ways to fix that. One is to do a, a loan from the school. Another is to use uh, one, the option the conference put out there. I think for the fans who don't have to worry about that, and it's his job to worry about it, but for the fans who don't have to worry about that, the question is, does a $35 million deficit impact the way the teams compete? Are the coaches going to have money to recruit? Are they going to have the money to pay assistant coaches and coordinators in football, assistant coaches in other sports, uh, basketball are they going to have that kind of money to do that? Are they going to have the money to buy out Larry Kristoviak if they want to make a change at the end of the year? Is it going to impact winning and losing? And I think because so many teams have the same problem, so many schools do, that the answer is no, it's not going to impact winning and losing that much. Are you buying that? Yes. Yes, I am. So the future is bright. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, got it. If you want to relate it specifically to Utah, you're talking about. So I was looking generally because the Pac-12, uh, I think Oregon played the full amount of the reduced games, if that makes sense. Or Oregon State did, I should say. I think they played seven. So did Oregon, too. Right. They're four and three. Um, and so the point being is that some teams, not everybody played the same amount of games. So yeah, Washington. Should, Washington played four, and so did Cal and Wazoo. Uh, Arizona State only did two. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple, uh, say if a million, just uses this barometer, a million bucks a game, right? So there's there's not that big of a difference. There may be like a three or four million dollar difference as opposed to a 35 or a $50 million difference in that. So basically the conference teams are in the same boat. Uh, I think it was a dumb decision to do what they did. Uh, I know that's not the the popular uh, way of thinking these days. You're supposed to, if you're in the media, it seems like you're supposed to demand that they not play games, that everybody's going to have issues here if they play. At least I've seen so many people saying that anyway. Uh, I thought they should have tried to get it in like like the SEC did, but nevertheless, they didn't. Um, So... That's cost them money, no doubt about it, right? But they're sort of all in the same boat there. And the recruiting, pretty much everybody across the country is in the same boat because the rules are applying to everyone with the no campus visits, no traveling or whatnot. So all that is even to a, to a degree. It's not completely because Alabama is still going to be Alabama and – uh, Kansas is still going to be Kansas, right? And you're, it's going to be hard for blue chippers to go to Kansas because they're not very good. So I don't see where it's going to affect the product out on the field. The Utes are still going to do what they do. They have guys on their staff that have great eyes for talent. 
and the ability to project. I mean, they're really, really good. I mean, if I would hire uh, Kyle Whittingham if he ever didn't want to stop coaching. I'd hire him as a recruiting analyst in a heartbeat, <laughs> and I'd give him $10 million bucks and just say, <laughs> go look at these guys on film and tell me what you think. What is, because, your, what is your recipe? What is the secret sauce? What yeah. do you see in these guys that other people don't see? I mean, it just goes on and on and on here. We can name so many guys that you they just were a name on a sheet of paper when the signings were announced. And then four or five years later, they're hearing their name called by whoever is the current NFL commissioner. Uh, you know, going back, and that's why I say that. I mean, going back to Tagliabue and... And, and all these, I can't even remember all the NFL commissioners, right? And so we've seen that. So this guy has a talent, and his staff, they have a talent for doing that. So I don't see how that's going to change because I don't see where that factors in financially. You see, if you had more money or less money in, in a given year, they're still going to get guys that, that aren't that uh, – don't seem to have all that – social media buzz but then they come to the program and they're just really really good there you go dj and pk talking about the utes their prospects 35 million dollar shortfall is what mark harlan is now projecting i did that in in an interview with the salt lake tribune i i wouldn't expect it to have that much uh, impact certainly on the football field uh, Gordon, I think they'll prioritize, um, uh, you know, their resources in that direction. Behind the scenes, though, how they make up the rest of that thirty-five million bucks, you know, borrow from the school or or from the Pac-12, they'll still have to tighten the belt, so to speak. And I, but I agree with what PK was getting at there that it's, you got to have some money to get your job done and to stay competitive. I, I get that, but that uh, talent evaluation uh, status that the that the Utes have seemed to master has been most impressive. Uh, they they still haven't won a, a Pac-12 championship, but they they uh, they have field good teams almost every year, and it's impressive what they do. Now they they are starting to creep into that four four star uh, neighborhood more frequently. And maybe the, the the blue blood programs. Oh, okay. Well, they're they're going for the five and four stars, and that's just all she wrote. And and they don't have to be quite so keen as far as having a sharp eye for talent. But the Utes have found a lot of talent in the two star, three star range, and turned them into NFL players. So yeah, uh, having that kind of Evaluating talent goes a long way, regardless of what your recruiting budget is. But the Utes have had a pretty nice budget, didn't they? Lead the Pac-12, yeah, million in bucks. expenditure, mm-hmm. yeah. So they are committed in that regard. At least they were before the uh, the virus hit. I don't know how many prospects the Utes are ever going to steal from USC. Or Oregon. I know it's happened before, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Well, they did steal that Phillips kid from Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I, it happens. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. But really, I mean, you're not going to bet on that as a, as a program going forward. Um, but what I think is, is interesting is Kyle Whittingham's connective tissue between his Mountain West days and, and now, where in the Mountain West, of course, Diamond in the Rough was, was how they had to operate, right? right. Why, why are right. these guys being overlooked, and what can we do about that? You know, with Eric Weddle... 
uh, for example, they said, well, he is not a quarterback <laughs> and moved him to, you know, moved him to corner his freshman year. And he started right away, even though he was a two star guy. So, you know, they they got good at that. Right. They got good at that in the Mountain West. And then going into the Pac-12, you can still maybe land a higher quality of athlete or, or per persuade a better recruit but you're still not out recruiting usc and oregon so those those skills that coach witt and his staff acquired while in the mountain west i think has served them well uh, now in the pac-12 we agree 100 percent on that and uh, i think that's what pk was saying so it's it's pretty obvious to anybody that the, the evaluation skills and i think that's the most important part uh of building a, a good program is, is having those kinds of skills if you're in a in if you operate where the youths do they have to have that for the very reason that you just pointed out uh, they're, they're, they can't walk into a living room and say we're a C so come come play for us they walk in there and educate these kids about what the program can offer and all they got to point at is the number of players that they funnel into the NFL and you know what funnel means that's a that thing that uh, you chest the trailer gave you that time on I remember, yeah. yeah. Well, it helps Ronald, them you know, that they can they can point at a 210-pound beanpole and say, you know what, with 60 <laughs> pounds on you, you're going to be a heck of a defensive end. Well, I think there is. It's unique. I know there are a lot of good football minds out there who do recognize talent, but I, 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 th- I think the Utes are uh, even better at it than probably 90% of uh, college football. Would you would you compliment them in that way? Yeah, I think so. Sorry, I got distracted. I apologize. What happened? Well, I was trying to identify a sound I just that heard. Mike picks up everything there, Gordon. Yeah, uh, you heard my that, wife put. Was put, that like a robot? A, she put a phone into a phone case and it made a noise. <laughs> Hang uh-huh. on just a second. Hey, honey, what was that? Oh, it was an emergency thing that she pushed as she was putting the phone into a phone case. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was... I it's was... not like... Lisa usually doesn't come in where I'm broadcasting from. It's always a pleasure to have her come in and, and visit for a little she while. She improves the segment. But... Uh, Sorry. It, she just apologized for her... Uh, no, no apology. apology not needed. Not needed. No, not at all. I, I was the just... guys are saying that they'd like to hear more from you than less from me. Yes, that's true. Uh, I was just playing identify that sound in my mind because it was <laughs> it was very unique. So I'm sorry, well, I got distracted from your point. I, I thought was you thinking, were playing a Game Boy. I, I was I thinking, like, <laughs> what on earth was that? <laughs> I got to tell you, it scared the living bejeebers out of me. I was just sitting there all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Came out of nowhere. It seems like a good spot Where to Where were on. we? Yeah, let's get to, to Hans and Scotty uh, talking about how Jazz fans should feel about star drama around the NBA. With the starting five of the Jazz now starting all 11 games, I started thinking about the starting five and, and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and some of the big money guys now that have signed their extensions and big-time healthy contracts and – I started to think how grateful I am that I cover a team that doesn't have knuckleheads on it. As I watch Kyrie Irving disappear from that Nets organization, or I watch James Harden, who's going to be in the good, bad, and ugly today, take a guess where he'll be in the good, bad, and ugly. But as I watch James Harden, I can think of two things be a, com- a complete moron about the way he's handling his business. It, you know, when I think of guys like Russell Westbrook that, 
have just eaten organizations from the inside out. I can't stop and think how grateful I am the Jazz have who they have. And then I can't help but think, eventually, if they stay together and their chemistry stays healthy, eventually they're going to capitalize on this. The goodwill of good companionship, good partnership, good teamsmanship is eventually going to pay off. And there was a, uh, there was a moment last night in that game against Cleveland that I absolutely loved. Rudy Gobert gets a steal or it was maybe a, a back part of a rebound or something and swipes it away off the ground, scoops it up and starts on a fast break on his own. Yeah. And he gets down to the other end of the court, and you know, Matt, Matt's having a blast with it. Bowler's having a blast with it, and they're, you know, cheering this thing up. Oh, look at the big man go! And he gets down there, and he's having fun, and and he gets hard fouled, and loses control of the ball. Well, after that, it's a split second, but it's something I picked up on. Donovan Mitchell came over and gave Rudy Gobert a little bit of crap. You know, and probably said something uh, along the lines of, man, what you, you think you're going to run that ball or along something like that. And when I saw Rudy grin, big grin, and kind of shove him a little bit and, and Donovan kind of wipe off the shove with a big smile on his face, that told me a lot in that moment. That doesn't happen when a team is collapsing inter- internally. Yeah. It, it does when it's it, unsalvageable. It, when it's unsalvageable, you know what happens in that moment. Donovan doesn't say a word. Yeah, and Rudy feels stupid in that moment, even if you are up by yeah. twenty. Or if Donovan does try to give it to you a little bit, Rudy's mad about it and walks away. Rudy he gets yeah. mad and, and walks away yeah. and brushes it off. But that that moment is really important for me as a former athlete that understands team chemistry really well. And I think one aspect of of what I did well was was team chemistry. Yeah. I, I I understood chemistry, and I tried to maintain and cultivate chemistry. And when I see that, I'm like, man, that's good to have around for the next four or five years. Yeah, that's really good. Those two need to continue to build on that that friendship and that playfulness, and and be able to, because you know who's watching that? Guys like me, Aoni. They they're seeing that. Yeah. You know, um, guys that are are just coming into the system, like Elijah, those guys are seeing that for the first time, and that's impactful to them. Shows what culture you're building there and what, what you support as a team and a locker room. There you go. Hanson, Scotty, talking about uh, this Jazz team. Your thoughts, Gordon? Well, this this is sort of similar to what we were talking about earlier when I brought up uh, Major League uh, Back to the Miners. But uh, about talent versus team chemistry and caring about one another and all that, playing for each other. But how? while I agree with what Hans was saying, how will he feel if the Nets are winning an NBA title? Well, maybe they have good team chemistry? Well, I, I don't know. He just called James Harden everything but a piece of trash. And he may have called him that, too. And this is the question at hand here. Can talent overcome all? And would you rather root for a team that has good camaraderie and chemistry and cares about one another and doesn't win a title versus teams that have that kind of talent, have that kind of attitude among some of their star players, 
that is, uh, hey, I'm I'm above everybody else because they kind of are, uh, and they win titles. So, you know, I well, mean, well, I, well, there are a number of different directions to go with this, but I mean, James Harden wasn't a good teammate in Houston. He's going to be on a different team. Do we automatically assume he's not going to be a good teammate with the Nets? I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't think know. his game is necessarily going to fit with the Nets. It'll be curious to see what they, they do there, but I don't know if he's going to automatically be a bad teammate. But I, I sometimes think we read into, and when I say we, I guess the collective sports observer, we read into stuff because it makes us feel good. You know, like we read read into this moment between Donovan and Rudy, and we say, oh, they're just the best of friends, and I feel so good about it. And we don't really know. We have no idea. I have a, I have a pretty, um, you know, the, when the, the strength of the team is the team, when that was going on and the uh, Jazz made their yeah. historic comeback. I mean, I, I believe that that experience bonded those players. But to your point, they didn't have enough talent to go past the second round. Even though it was a miracle they got past the first round, amazing, one of the most exciting seasons I've ever been a part of, uh, you know, covering. It was just incredible. But, you know, I don't know. When when everybody was freaking out over the Donovan and Rudy relationship, my opinion always was it's in both of their best interests to, to figure it out. And they figured it out. I have no idea yeah. if they're best friends, nor do I really care. How much of it do you need in order to be successful? I, I think it takes a team farther than it would go otherwise, uh, based on whatever talent they have, to be able to play together and treat each other with respect. And uh, maybe that makes the fans uh, feel a little better about it. Uh, but I don't know to what extent that can take you versus having enormous talent and a bit of an attitude that comes with it. I think it's about doing your job and and if you're able to do your job to the best of its ability and what your job is, which I think is going to be the complicating factor with the Brooklyn Nets. It's identifying whose job is what. Because I don't think well, for it to work, James Harden's job is going to be let the air out of the ball for 22 seconds. So okay, does going, he accept his new role? Going back to what Hans was talking about, I mean, the Jazz are getting along, and he's feeling good about covering a team where the players get along. But then you look at what James Harden did with the Rockets. They came within a hair on the chin of winning an NBA title because if they'd beaten the Warriors that year, they would have won it all. And they they were this close with James Harden. So that's a lot better than the Jazz have done. Okay, I mean, I, I so, so I've I don't, heard I don't, this I, argument before, and and you can crown them if you want, but they didn't win. Well, I know you like to dog them, but they came awfully close. And I happen to think if if uh, Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt in that game at the end, they would have won it, and that would have been quite an achievement. The fact is, they came close, and the Jazz haven't done that with their without you know with their feel good uh, no knucklehead club. Well, I have no you idea know. if there is anything to feel good about, to be honest. I mean, I think that's what I guess I'm I'm saying is like I, I think a lot of times the the chemistry dis- discussion is fans or observers or whatever personifying their what they wish were true upon the team. Huh. Yeah, and I, and that, that that's a strong point because I don't know how much is true and how much isn't. 
I, I know for a fact that certain guys who had the public reputation as being kind of buddies and getting along well, that wasn't really the case. But I don't know what that situation, what's real and what isn't with the Jazz as we speak right now. But I, I'll say it this way. If the Jazz had the talent that they have now and they get along with each other and they help one another, uh, then they're going to go farther than they would with the same talent, and they didn't. Okay, but I guess it's their job to help one another. Just do your job. Yeah, but Hans might point at James Harden and say, hey, man, what happened to you this year? You're not doing your job. He's not. And actually, by not doing his job, he was forcing the other team. He was forcing the Rockets to trade him because right. he didn't do his job. Because he is uh, he's got to carry in a few extra LBs. Because he he went on a on a tour of uh, gentlemen's clubs in Vegas instead of going to camp. I mean, he's doing that all on purpose. He said, "I'm not going to do my job, so you better trade me." Well, I, I think there is something to this team chemistry, and and it, it it is helpful, but it's not helpful enough without the other component. And I, if you took a survey of Jazz fans, would you rather love each one of the players on your team? or not like them quite as well and have them win a title, uh, they're going to take uh, choice B every single time, or at least 99% of the time, right? Because that's the end goal. We're not cheering, uh, you know, for various teams because they're a bunch of Boy Scouts. People cheer for a team because they want them to win. And we have no idea if they're Boy Scouts anyway. Yeah. But they, you you can see the way they coexist or the way they come together on the court or on the field, and if they if they do rally one another up and bring out the best in each other, then that that is more evident than what goes on behind the scenes. Well, I'm able to coexist with Lloyd despite my personal feelings. So I mean, you know, you just go out there and do your job. We would never know, Austin. You and I would never know that uh, that the. Uh, the uh, the spite and the uh, hatred is so thick between those two guys. With, with uh, Jake and Lloyd, yeah. No, the oh, Lloyd just threw something at Jake. He, Lloyd did. That was a dirty look, Lloyd. Wow. I'm getting, currently getting a dirty look, and now and he's now he's approaching in. Jake. I'm uncomfortable. Six feet. <laughs> six feet. This is my personal space. This is the play-by-play of the. Looks like, looks like Mitt Romney in an airport Lloyd. right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, this would make a great show. Why don't you guys just go ahead and start fighting? Let's see uh, let's see how it turns out. Well, unlike, oh, Lloyd just hit him with a chair! Unlike hockey, oh. I don't think we'd benefit from uh, from a fist fight in the office. <laughs> I, we are lovers, not fighters, yeah. unlike Gordon. True. Yeah, yeah uh, but here's the problem. If Lloyd's always high-sticking you, you got to eventually you gotta take matters. you got to police uh, what's going on there. Right? Well, let me tell you this, and, and I mean this, and I want you to hear this. Lloyd is doing nothing of the sort to me, sir. Stay tuned. We'll have more show coming up next. We know. Even though Jake complains about Lloyd, makes fun of him, and ridicules him, that it's all because you really do deep down love him. Well, that's not true. But what you said before is certainly not true either. Stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Start off your year fresh and clean with a call to Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get three rooms of carpet clean for just $89.95. Schedule with Zero Res today online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. If you're just jumping into your car, big trade in the NBA today. James Harden's on the move. Uh, it was kind of a four-team deal, Gordon. Uh, when all is said and done, the Rockets are going to get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodions, Kirk Chicks. I don't know. Close enough. Three Brooklyn first-rounders in 22, 24, 26. One Milwaukee first in 22 unprotected. Four Brooklyn first-round swaps, 21, 23, 25, and 27. That's what the Rockets get. The Nets get James Harden. The Pacers get Karis LeVert in a second-round pick. And the Cavs get Jarrett Allen and Tarian Prince. That is the I big thought, trade today. I thought somebody was getting Cleveland's first-round pick. Uh, well, I'm just reading what Shams uh, okay. summed up for maybe, us. Maybe so. I misunderstood that. But it's, it's a complicated deal for sure. I think the, the 22 per first-round pick was Milwaukee's, but it was via Cleveland. Oh, I got you. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I understand that. All right. Well, that's uh, that's quite uh, quite a trade in the NBA, and people could see the James Harden thing come, and he's forced the hand of the Rockets to do that. But this is what has caused us to talk about what does this mean for for the Nets? I mean, will they be able to abide James Harden's talent slash personality? And with the redundancy on the floor of the talent that is there, the enormous talent that is there. Uh, will will that be fun to watch? I or will it be productive for the Nets? I, I'm not sure. Uh, I would expect the Nets to be pretty darn good. Think about how formidable they. Who are you going to cover when the Jazz play the Nets again? If they were, to, let's say, in someone's fantasy world, they met in the NBA Finals. How are they going to cover those guys? Are you going to put Royce O'Neal on everybody? You can't. So what, what would an opponent do? I'd sag off Kyrie Irving and give him the ball the whole game. And so what are you going to do? Are you, so you're going to just drape guys all over, bringing resources on top of James Harden? And uh, and what about Kevin Durant? Yeah, both of them. Well, we saw what Kyrie Irving can do to a team when the Jazz played him. Yeah, but the more he dribbled, the more James Harden isn't, and the more upset he's getting. And Kevin Durant, <laughs> the more either one of them have the ball, the less Kevin Durant does, and I think that's a good thing for any team playing defense. So, Well, the, the dangerous thing with uh, Kevin Durant, though, is uh, he can catch and shoot and kill you. You have to have somebody passing you the ball. I'll be interested to see where the shots bite comes out of, uh, and my guess would be KD. Don't forget that James Harden uh, would uh, within the average almost ten assists one season. Well, one thing that this says, in kind of the direction I was uh, I was thinking about going here for a sec, Gordon, is that in the Western Conference, with teams like the Suns being a little bit better, you wonder who is going to move out of the playoff picture, and this confirms it. Not that it wasn't confirmed before, but it's going to be the Rockets as they move into rebuild mode. You and, don't think that Oladipo will cause any kind of threat? I don't think so. I mean, if uh, who, I guess who would you put them in ahead of right now? If if that were the case, well, it's such a it's such a mess right now. I mean, well, it's such an unknown right now. I don't know how those guys are going to play together. No, I would not pick the Rockets to be a playoff team based on what we know right now. Right. So here here's your top eight in the West right now. All right, and we're eleven games in, so okay. this is by no means fi- uh, final. But Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, Suns, 
Blazers, Mavericks, Warriors, Spurs. On the outside looking in, you have Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Denver, New Orleans, Memphis, Houston, and Minnesota. I would bet Denver moves into that picture before it's all said and done. For sure. sure. Um, I think the Pelicans have a chance as well. Maybe Memphis, an outside chance. I would bet against Golden State and San Antonio. Man, that's a crowded field, though, isn't it? But one less team now because Houston we're certainly not including in that conversation. Right. Right. Or one fewer team, excuse me. All true. And it'll be interesting to see what the Rockets over the long haul do. As Austin brought up earlier, do they keep Oladipo with a bunch with a team that's being completely rebuilt, or with him being in the last year of his contract is this just a way for him to uh, escape and, and move into a different sign with a different team? I, I don't know what Houston's plans are, but uh, that they are not the threat that jazz fans are used to out of Houston and have been used to for a long, long time. Well, and Houston's still stuck with John Wall's uh, ludicrous salary. So getting down under luxury tax and cap levels is probably a priority for them. When does his, how long does his deal run? Do you know? Do you have any John idea? Wall? Yeah. I'll tell you in a second. It, because it's so, I mean, he's one of the five highest paid guys in the league. And uh, so it's a, it's a difficult thing to abide especially when you're getting out of him what you're what you're getting from him 41 2 this year 44 3 next year player option after that for 47 3 so three more years including this year unless he's completely miserable i don't see him opting out of that third year do you even if he's completely miserable yeah exactly (laughs) by the way we got that you and i were talking about this i want to get your reaction to it real quick uh, our good listener, Cade, he uh, he tweets in. He said, I would rather cheer for the team that is genuinely good guys who like each other and is talented than the team that hates each other and is more talented. So that's in response to our conversation earlier when we brought that up because, of well, it centers on James Harden right now. Yeah, but, um, but uh, the the problem I, I don't have, know if James Harden is a hateable guy as far as his teammates go. I I have no idea, and neither do the fans, because I would guess we could pick you know a dozen athletes that everybody thought was a quote unquote good guy, and if we actually took a deep dive into who they really were, that probably would would change that opinion. Did you ever get the feeling in Houston until this whole thing blew up, and wasn't uh, Harden by the way? Didn't he use it as an excuse? Uh, the the owner's uh, attitude uh, about social issues and whatnot isn't that where the, where this started? I don't know if that was official, and I thought that was Westbrook, not Harden. But we'd have oh, to go back it? and look at it. Well, forgive me if I got that wrong. But anyway, for whatever reason, he wanted out of Houston. And but I, while things were going well there, and going well for both the Rockets as as far as the results went, and as far as James Harden's ability to. Uh, to uh, win MVPs and and scoring titles and whatnot. So it was going good for both. Did his teammates like him? James Harden? Yeah. Was there any indication? Obviously, you have already pointed out correctly so, Jake, that we we never really know for sure. But uh, do you remember hearing griping about uh, about the way Harden played basketball or his approach to the game? Yeah, I think you could look into Chris Paul's complaints on his way out the door and learn a little bit more about that. But it wasn't that kind of the way Chris Paul operated uh, a bunch of different places? What do you mean? 
didn't he feel the same way about the Clippers and about you know some of the other teams he played? I don't for? think he ever complained about the way Blake Griffin played basketball. I mean, a big source of the rift in Houston was that Chris Paul wanted the team to play in a different manner, and the rest of the team said, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) But James Harden did not. Okay, well, that's an indication then of what we're talking about. And this this is the question of the day. How will James Harden mix with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, two of the most talented guys in the league, and you have to include Harden in that mix too, even though he hasn't been shoving away from the buffet table for a little while. All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. After the recession, I dropped 90 mil. Well, I've recouped that and doubled it moving forward. So I'm up to half a billion now. And so I got less time than I got money. So I got to burn through this, man. Come on, let's do it. Very nicely done, Austin. It's time for a market update. It's back, baby. The market update on the big show. It's brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Gordo, how'd those markets do today? The Dow was down three-tenths of a point today. Sorry to say, but really not much of a difference. The NASDAQ up 043 and the S&P up 0.23. So, so not much movement it. today. A little, not, little not up. a lot. Not little a lot. Up. Not, you know, considering our president got impeached by the House today. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. I'm a little surprised the markets didn't move a little more volatilely, but uh, no, they didn't. Market update brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. There's your market update. Today's uh, money song, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. It's a great song. Talks about microwaves and stuff, uh-huh. and Hans would particularly relate. Well, yeah, because all, all of his condos have very nice microwaves. That's yeah, that does. That is true. When they have the line in this song that talks about the chicks for free, what are they talking about there, Austin? Uh, the the chickens that you that the farmer hatches he gives oh. them away. Have you ever hauled microwave ovens? You ever installed uh, apparatus in the kitchen and refrigerators and that kind of thing? I've never installed any apparatus of any sort. Oh man, I I worked for a month. Uh, a friend of mine had a store that uh, dealt in such goods, and I uh, I helped such with that goods. stuff. Why, why do you have to phrase it like that? Very philosophical. <laughs> that uh, dealt in such goods and whatnot, and as it were. My point is, it's hard work, just like the song says. Installing microwaves is hard work. Well, maybe that's. Don't you just you know, essentially plug it in? Not necessarily installing it, but hauling it from the truck into the house. Yeah. Not sure this is what Triday Trading had in mind for this no. segment. And I'm not sure, sure I'm believing that Gordon did that either. Only so where's the microwave? Nothing. I I don't you know I, I, I what can I say anymore? I mean I tell you nothing but the truth, and you doubt everything. So I'm not going to sit there and defend myself okay, or so make make myself sound defensive. I've just had a lot of experiences in my life. Haul in refrigerators, huh? The one thing that I do worry about a little bit is when I was. Uh, uh, a, a teenager, I used to help out and go, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
fumigate the uh, the, the the fields. You didn't do that either. <laughs> I did. I swear. Fumigate. I did this. Yeah. No, I, don't. I had no. this. I had this apparatus that you put on your back, and it sprayed the uh, the germicide or whatever it was out to uh, to protect the crops. So you're yeah. you're here to tell us you did that work, but didn't know what the what agent was? was called. Yeah, and it certainly oh, I, is I, not I germicide. No, I did it when I was like seventeen, you know, eighteen years old. I, I believe it's called insecticide. Yeah, and insecticide. Listen, my, whatever. My, my my father uh, did some farm work as a as a young lad, and there's no way he would have forgotten a detail like that. In fact, oh. he would he would have broken down the poison in great detail to me because. Thus, those are the types of things that you you know you learn when you do such work. I was seventeen years old. They just strapped it on my back and said, "Go spray the spray." Here, the teenager, field. put this biohazard chemical on the back of you and just go <laughs> sprinkle it about. Germicide, whatever it was, you know. Germicide, pesticide, whatever. You, 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 you know how critters? I know you didn't do that because you used the word germicide. I believe it's barbicide. I swear I to you, I swear to you, that I did that. I swear it. Yeah, put some salicylic acid on there, Gordon. I, I, I just here. Let me wait. I wait. Hold on one second. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. All right. I now have a Bible in my hand. I'm lay, putting it down. I'm putting my hand on it, and I'm holding my other hand up, and I am telling you, I swear that I used to do that. Hey, uh, Gordon, the, the, the corn crop's got a mighty case of athlete's foot. We're going to need you to get out there and get this germicide on it. I have no idea what I was spraying across that field. No idea whatsoever. I hope it wasn't anything, some sort of carcinogen that's going to hurt me. It was. I wouldn't worry about it because it didn't happen. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was you know, uh, half a century ago. Those pretend but... brain cells are long dead. I know. <laughs> I got all kinds of excuses for my, for my illogical thinking, you know. I mean, this is what happens when you live when you've lived a long life. You've had all these different experiences, and I try to share them with you here, and you cast doubt on everything I say. I've got good news I've for you. I've never done drugs. I don't think, uh, Gordon. I don't think fictional insecticide is is going to have any sort of long term effects on you. I don't know. I haven't seen it's, the science. It's not, but it, I'm, it wasn't. I'm no, no. It, and the wind used to blow it back toward you. You know, and it, it, it does cause hypochondria, but or uh, or hallucinations maybe. But then, then again, I'd have to believe that it happened, which I don't. I I, I just swore on the Bible. Okay, and, and you know, I mean, I, I haven't done drugs. I've never done drugs. Yeah, and, but uh, you also uh, believe that uh, Tom Brady was legit in deflating footballs. So I have to question your integrity. And then I, uh, you know, what is what am I going to believe? Okay, so I, the fact that I think that it was not that big a deal that Tom Brady let a little air out of the football, because I believe that, you are now casting doubt on every conclusion I ever draw. Fact, yeah. Got a lot <laughs> of hate in your heart. That's a why. Is it cheating? Excuse me? Do you use the word cheating? Was this cheating? We broke the rules, and you can phrase that any way you want. <laughs> Well, I, I, who was that? That was the Astros owner. Oh. I, I, I'm not claiming that it wasn't cheating. It just I broke just the rules. Th- I just don't think it diminishes everything that Tom Brady ever accomplished. Just like you're not his, lying his great about crop dusting the, the fields.
I, I swear Gable. to you, I did it. <laughs> Clark I Gable. Did it. But uh, you're just not telling the truth. I did, it. I did it just like I climbed mountains. I did it just like I played hockey. I did it just like the many things that I've had the opportunity to achieve in my life. Uh, let's see here. Our boy Sven uh, tweets into the show. He says, the joke's on Gordon. No one sprays a field of crops with a back sprayer, a backpack sprayer. They, it make, was, they make tractors it, with giant tanks no, to do that. This was a this was like an uh, it was like an enlarged garden area. And it was. Uh, I thought it was a farm. Okay. Well, it was yeah. on a farm. It was, <laughs> just wait a second. It was on a farm, and it was a part of a field, and it was probably, I would say, probably a hundred yards, two hundred yards by a hundred and fifty yards, and it was filled with. Uh, no, it was probably bigger than that, actually. Uh, but it was. It was uh-huh. filled with. It was filled with all kinds of vegetables growing. All. Uh, oh my gosh. Gordon that, helps his mom grow some petunias one no, year. That turns into spring. No, it was a farmland this, no, ten minutes was, ago. Now it's this, in a large garden area. No, it was it was a huge it, it was a community what? it was a community project. And it and it and it was it was large. I wanna I, I would guess it to be maybe two football fields by two football fields. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it a farm? It was on a farm. But it was not a farm. It was an enlarged garden area. It it was on a farm. It was, <laughs> and, and, and I was charged with making sure that the crops were well taken care of. Uh-huh. No, because no. you would be my choice. No, no offense. To this is gone make from sure the a, crops thrives. <laughs> it was gone from a farm to a small garden. I'd rather, <laughs> oh, I'd rather have a crazy infestation. Busts you would, cold. Would you You're can, like, oh, you, there, there was wait, a little wait. bit of a garden. I mean. you, can, you consider two football fields by two football fields a small garden? This isn't my story. Considering it just shrank from acres of farmland, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not buying it to be in two football fields it was, either. It was an on, Amish land was, 10 minutes it was, ago. It was on a farm, and it was a huge, huge garden. We don't have a cow. And so they didn't have a tractor <laughs> to spray this stuff. I got that. Uh, so they got me to put the thing on, the contraption on my back that sprayed the, the, the pesticide or whatever If it was part of a, a larger farm, why didn't they have a tractor? Well, they probably had a tractor, but not for this particular parcel. Not for the, not for the little backyard garden? This was not a backyard. I, in fact, I think I have a picture of this somewhere, and I'm, I doubt I'm it. Show it to you. Shut, <laughs> shut you guys up once and for all. You're impugning my credibility, and I did this. You're Tom. It's a part. It's a part of my frame <laughs> of reference. It taught me the value of good hard farm work. You know, I used to have I used to have a bandana hanging out the back of my jean pocket. The whole deal. That doesn't make it more believable. <laughs> Uh, coming up next, Steve Kyler is going to join us, our friend from Real GM. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The stories that I tell are 99%, 99.5%, 100% factual.